Welcome to Aw Crap, the Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero. Hosted by me, Kate Thompson. And me, Mark David Christensen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks, we're back. We're winding down season five. Yeah. Just, I've started to say it on every recording, just so the listeners know. I think after this, you got one more episode. So this is the penultimate episode of season five. Is that <laughs> how you say it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we're gonna be going into a, a bit of a hiatus but uh, I'll, I'll let you know about that on the final episode yeah <laughs> but except but also let you know we're gonna still accept emails through our hiatus and if we get enough emails we have to get on the mic and, and respond to your emails yeah just saying we just won't can't be just reading pile up and get dusty <laughs> can't do that yeah <laughs> no one likes a dusty email no <laughs> All right, but before we get into this week's um, story, which we are covering, was Abe Sabian, The Haunted Boy. Um, I'm very excited to dive into that Patrick Reynolds uh, illustrated story. Um, but before we get to that, we got a, ourselves a bit of a meaty, uh, oh boy, email. Emails. <laughs> emails, yes, definitely. Yeah. Oh boy, emails. <laughs> Segment we can't do without all of you out there. Yeah. Um, so great. Let's get into this. Our first email comes from Ian um, Widener, a regular emailer and listener slash follower. His email uh, is titled "Which Finder is the Best?" Hello, 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 me China mates. <laughs> I don't. I, this is email. I'm just trying to really dig into what's all this thing. Insert more Cockney slash rhyming slang here. Is that more Cockney slamming slang here? I don't even want to try. I'm just going to read that sentence. What do you mean try? You are succeeding. (laughs) (laughs) Sherlock Holmes, Victoria, England, and stories from this time always get me so excited. When I was a kid, I had this book about the street urchins that Sherlock Holmes employs to know what's going on in the streets. And the back had a whole glossary of rhyming say, slang, and I tried to use it all the time as a middle schooler. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing with the way middle school was for me, that didn't go so well, unless everybody was real hip to that slang. <laughs> I just tried to Google China mates. Uh, maybe don't Google it. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I, yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> it could, I don't know if that's, I'm hoping it's just he's written something out phonetically for me. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if it's Cockney, because they rhyme stuff, right? Like, it's oh, like, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. deal with Cockney. It's like, not the literal thing. It's like, you know, like, stairs is like fucking apples and pears or some shit. It's fucking, <laughs> I don't have time for it. I appreciate that you looked it up, Ian. Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> but, I, I, but, you know. But I'll tell you right now, Kate has a short fuse for that Cockney. For Cockney, <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. Uh, it's so fine. Funny. It's I, it's not the most charming thing to to me, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, he says in his attempts in middle school in his glossary of Cockney, he says. I had all of the friends. It was a great time. No regrets. And therapy is real cheap now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but back to the comics. I love this so much. These issues are some of the most intriguing storylines. It totally makes and breaks all the prequel stereotypes and makes its own story while hinting at all of the stories that we've seen before. 
From an ancient age of a race before man, the monsters that haunted them. A secret gentleman's club and Mary and her shit kicker ass hat of a brother is one of my favorite parts. Mary talking to Zora with the ectoplasmic cabinet is very similar to the multiple spiritualist scammers of the era. Even the ectoplasm is different than what we've seen. It looks like the actual that spiritualist of the time used, which was cheesecloth or gauzes. Ew, man, I'm looking at these pictures. They're out of control. Great. And he says he included some photos of the cheesecloth or gauzes from these old sort of like freaky deaky, freaky deaky is funny to say, ectoplat, <laughs> like spiritualists that sort of scammed, I would assume are scamming people, right? Yeah. But it's pretty, you you literally immediately said gross. <laughs> I mean, because I'm looking at these like ectopla- ectoplasm photos, I guess, like ugh. an ethereal form of matter energy projected by the medium's body. Normally invisible, it can be solidified into material objects or even animated bodies. Best observed by red light. But yeah, it looks like they're like throwing up this goo or something. You know, it's like... But it's cloth. That's yeah. the gross I mean, part. Ugh. It must just be like stuffed into their cheeks like a clown or something like with ribbons. You know what I mean? Yeah, like a magic. It's just, I'm sure, a magic trick. But the depiction of it is like, ugh, so gnarly. Yeah, it really is. This photo is gross as fuck. I love these fake ghosts that they're using in the first photo. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> they seem to be like, like, yeah, there's like fabric going from either they're like, they're, they're wearing like blindfolds and then the fabric seems to be emerging from underneath the blindfold or from their nostrils. Yeah. Maybe in this one. And it's like going up to this like phantom figure. Phantoms photographed during a seance with Mrs. Duncan at her home. Note mask-like faces, coat hanger shoulders, and warp and weft of material. <laughs> so weird. It's cool. Can yeah. you imagine yourself falling for this? I mean, that I, it must have been pretty common because you're like, man, I really want to talk to my dead relatives or whatever. Wasn't that like Houdini's whole thing? He like went around one trying to contact his mom and then two like discrediting people. Like he was oh, like, he would I like go. That. Yeah, it was like some whole thing with him where he would like go to seances and like my impression of it, like I, I haven't read about it in a long time, but my impression of it was that he was like half hoping to actually talk to his dead mom and then half like calling out charlatans who were like stealing people's money. Oh, cool. So he's sort of like a. Ma- a magician vigilante. Yeah, like helping people <laughs> out. It might have been... Um, have you ever heard of um, James Randi? I don't think so. He's He was like... He did a similar thing where he would go... He was like a magician, but he would also like challenge paranormal kind of like, you know, goofballs. Like people uh-huh. who would like go on TV and like do tricks and say that they had powers. And he would like go on TV and be like, no, you're manipulating this by doing this. And he would like to, you know, but he was like he there's like an awesome documentary about him that I watched like a couple years ago. An honest liar. But it was really cool. He was like just a cool guy who like didn't want people to get fucked over. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I wonder if that shit. Yeah. I wonder if there's any currently anybody like there's like a charlton right now that's still saying. I mean, you know, just I'm like TV, TV evangelists. That's true. Like, That's true. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're 100% right. Yeah, they're just like out in the open. <laughs> they're like, whatever. 
Yeah. I'll, I'll take whoever can believe it. People's money, yeah. yeah. If you collect a tithe, then you're probably... Then you might be a charlatan. <laughs> you might be a charlatan. That's <laughs> right. so... Oh, boy. Yeah, um, it's, it's, you know, because people want to talk to their dead relatives. They're sad and they miss them. True. And that'll just never go away. That'll just be the world forever. And there's, as long as that's a thing, somebody's going to be like, I can connect you to that person. Yeah. There's a great... Uh, did you ever watch the show The Leftovers? Nah. It has a good. I heard it's good though. It's a really good show, but like season two it deals with this stuff directly. Oh, really? It's really the way they because like, they're like people like ascend or something, right? It's like the rapture yeah. or something like that. But it goes beyond yeah. that, and it just gets okay. really interesting. Season two is wild and great television, but they cool definitely have this element. Somebody's like, I could connect you to people who are yeah. being rapture. Like, oh, cool. True, but then there's also there's more to it even later on. It's great. Yeah, just a cool. I'll, it's I'll like I'll a cool it. aspect. It's not like a yeah. full focal point. It's just part of the show. That's good. Yeah. There are no fake spiritualists in Hellboy, but even the cabinet would have been part of someone's routine. It would have worked a lot like Gob of, or excuse me, Gob. Uh, he would have hated me. Job. <laughs> <laughs> I said Gob, which would have just been a joke on the damn show. Job of Arrested Development's Aztec Tomb Trick. Illusion, Michael. The whole of the Hollow Earth Church was such a harrowingly scary part of the story. Imagine being in a church that you fully integrated into and loved the community only for literal monsters killing all of them. The vision of the dying pastor was such a cool part of showing all of the B-plots interconnection of the BPRD. Just the idea of the darker truth of a dogma of faith was such a chillingly dark part of the story we just got a fraction of, and I love it. It was also interesting to see the start of a men saw in his master. Makes me wonder if we've truly seen the end of Saw since the master he killed went on went on all Ben Kenobi. <laughs> That's funny, like the reverse evil Kenobi. That's something we haven't seen in Star Wars. Is somebody, which I thought was a little disappointing. I thought they were going to do a little more of that, like in the in the uh, sequels, is just more dark side ghosts. Oh yeah, they didn't really do that. They did like a fucking. Uh, a cathedral full 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 of cis or not a cathedral like a, a stadium coliseum of cis yeah which was silly as fuck but whatever <laughs> i won't get us on that star wars rant uh, <laughs> the newt surrounding the specter was such a good character design i guess every black magician needs to have some kind of reptile slash amphibian as they're familiar i'm calling dibs on turtles what about you two Ooh, okay. What, What's your familiar? That is a reptile or amphibian. What would you go with? Okay. If if it had to be a reptile, I'm gonna I'm gonna limit because I think that's the question. Is he he leads in like if you're a black magician needs to have some kind of reptile slash amphibian. Is there familiar? He's calling dibs on turtles. What I mean, about turtles us? cool. I've never seen like a turtle depiction of a familiar. You know, right. like a big snapping turtle or something like that. That is cool. Is that I what mean, you're, go you're going with snake? turtles? He, he got dibs. Yeah. He can have turtle. Uh, I mean, <laughs> snake's a classic one, you know. Yeah. Snakes are cool. My uh, godfather had a snake when we were growing up. And it was just like a little garter snake that like lived to be so old, like way older than snakes are supposed to live, I guess. I don't know. Nice. <laughs> but it was sweet. It was like nice. And we used to hold it when we were kids. So yeah, a little snake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're going with a little yeah. snake. Yeah. I think I want to go newts as well, but I'm going to go off of that or a salamander. But 
if I can't have newts or salamander because it's already been taken by the uh, this guy, I'll, I'll go with big old bullfrog. Unassuming big old. That's bullfrog. a cool one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're fun. And the size of them is sort of off. They're impressive. <laughs> I mean, Jess hates frogs and stuff, but I think frogs are the same way. They're they're like pretty cool. I think I would hesitate to pick up a frog. Before, you know, I would pick up a snake before I picked up a frog. Wow. Because like pe- people think people think that snakes are slimy, but they're not. They're but not. Frogs enough. are fucking slimy. Yeah, those frogs right out are. Of their hands. They're covered in like mucus and stuff. Yeah, you're right. You are totally yeah. right. All right. Well, we have our familiars. See you at the next meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ian closes out by saying, "Finally, last cool thing I enjoyed was the title and the meaning behind it. In the service of angels is a fun play on the phrase in the service of the queen." Once again, we have the reoccurring theme of the human elements of the Hellboy universe are secondary at best. The true forefront are the supernatural, and it always has been. Can't wait to read along with what you guys read next. ENW. Thanks, man. Yes. Thank you so much. It is great. I love all your thoughts. Thanks for making us pick familiar. Sorry for ripping on your cockney. I just <laughs> I mean we haven't heard him maybe he has a really good my copy. friend e, my friend Andrew will like sometimes go into it to be like silly and I have to be like shut the fuck up after like a minute I can't take it maybe that's why I'm just sensitive to it I fucking love it <laughs> that is so good yeah this next email has a link in it and I I have to go back through our emails make sure I've put up all the links that I've promised on our our uh, link tree so, listeners, if I have forgotten a link that I promised, please call me out so I can make <laughs> sure that those links are up for you on our link tree for you to quickly grab. Um, but this next email comes from regular emailer and um, follower slash listener. It comes from Drew Campbell. This one is titled, Ed Gray Goes to Disneyland. Hey, crappers! <laughs> Just a quick note. I was intrigued by MDC speculation that the floating Trump may have been inspired by the Haunted Mansion. Uh, that's what you do when you're just yeah. responding to shit. So I did a little research. Thank you, Drew, because we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out Victorian era spirit- spiritualists and the mediums actually use something called a spirit trumpet. They were oh, shaped cool. more or less like the megaphones used by cheerleaders. That is very funny to me. And the medium could make them appear to float around and amplify the voices of spirits. So maybe it's possible that Mignola was referencing the Haunted Mansion, but I think it's more likely that both he and Disneyland were referencing the spirit trumpets that were actually used in the past. Here's an article about spirit trumpets. So he did send an, an article from AustinSeance.com. It's just the spirit trumpet. So... Definitely. Oh, this is awesome. Yeah. They definitely look more close to like, as he said, those cheerleading like megaphones or like one of them. The second image makes me look like the megaphones that like in like old movies or like old, like when an old person has to have like a little hearing ear trumpet. Yeah. Yeah. That's even referenced here in the article. Ah. This is why some spiritualists describe spirit trumpets as the original hearing aids or ear trumpets to the voices of beyond. Oh, they're like, hey, we can't hear anything from the beyond. We just want to hear better in life. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. I wonder that is if they very could cool. like, manipulate them in some way to like, you know, make it sound like a voice was coming out of there. I bet they did. It's cool. That is very cool. Thank you, uh, Drew. This is awesome. You're probably 100% right that Mignola was referencing this. And yeah. Not. 
They're both, Disney yeah. Di- and Disneyland Disney was, was referencing that too, yeah. <laughs> or Disneyland just put up a random object for all I know. <laughs> it just, you know. It seems like it was like well-known enough. I'm still going to just imagine Mike Mignola riding around in the little ghost carriage at Haunted Mansion and being inspired, okay? <laughs> I feel like he's never gone to Disneyland. If he has, he probably was very grumpy about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> or only went to the Haunted Mansion? Maybe. I don't know. Well, yeah, he probably had, like, if he, he's probably somewhat successful that he could have gotten a little tour, you know, one of those celebrity, like, I bet he, he would like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride or whatever. Oh, yeah. He would totally like that. If anybody right, knows of, if Mike Mignola visiting Disneyland and <laughs> his thoughts, send it our way. <laughs> and Mike, if you ever listen to this, doubt it. Send it. Send your thoughts this way. <laughs> <laughs> Drew ends his email by saying, check you later. And remember, I love you. Your pal, yeah. Drew. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Really. I love. This is the stuff I love. That I live for is I say this silly thing and then you guys come through. With real knowledge. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's cool. It's very cool. I this article's great. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'll be honest. I need to read the whole article. I skimmed it. I'll read the whole article after we're done recording. But great stuff. Awesome. And I will, let me remind myself, I will add that link to our link tree because I think it's a great thing for other listeners. And if I don't do that, listeners, yeah, shout at me because I'll appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Our next email is also from Drew Campbell. This is another email titled, In the Service of Angels, Part 3. Hey, crappers! <laughs> <laughs> yes! There was a line of miniatures called Lilliput Lane, but it was started in the 1980s. But the name Lilliput was actually the name of the island of tiny people in Gulliver's Travels. I did know this. I'm just going to call myself out. Um, I edited myself out talking over Kate. Because when we brought up Lilliput, I think I shouted over you, Kate. Yeah, so Lilliputians, they're from Gulliver's Travels. Blah, 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 blah. I was in a commercial for Burger King where I played a Lilliput. Lilliputian. Oh, you were? Yes. Uh, when the Gulliver's Travels I don't remember you saying that. I'm sorry. I, it sounds like I was talking over you. I thought I was talking over you. So I just well, edited it out. That's um, interesting, and I don't remember you saying I don't think it. Oh, I, I didn't say this part about the commercial. I'm just adding that now. The commercial thing's interesting. <laughs> yeah. The, um, when Gulliver's Travels came out starring Jack Black, I my first ever co- commercial booking in Los Angeles was for a Burger King ad, which was a cross-promotion. And I got to play a little Lilliputian. That's so awesome. Do you have that? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll post it with Would this. love to see that. Yeah, yeah, I would love I'll to send see it to that. you, and then I'll post it. It's pretty much me like in like a... Jumping, I got to do a little stunt work, even though my agents were not up. Were a little upset that I didn't get a bump for the stunt work because I just. Oh. I jumped from like a, bl- a like a blue screen block to another, holding a giant straw. I screamed so much when they did the close up that I like burst blood vessels in my face. Oh I don't know if you've God. ever done that, people. I've done that. <laughs> oh my Where God. Where your face just looks red because you just. Burst you were it. doing more work than was necessary. Probably true, and then my career, you're excited. And then my career just first, dipped. It's <laughs> your first uh, thing that you booked. Damn right, and I commit. You're gonna. Do yeah, exactly. Um, you got to be cool. They don't care about commitment in this town. They care about being cool <laughs> right. and profitable. Save your face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but back to the email. So the island of people in Gulliver's Travels, the Lilliput, and the Lilliputians, I believe, is what they would go by. Um, Sounds right. He says, "Still, I think your doubts as to the truth of the captain's claim are valid." If he had been, if it had been a tiny living cow, that would have been been stronger evidence. A little cow sculpture with the word Lilliput written on it doesn't really prove much. 
No. Yeah, it leaves us questioning him, and it's very fun. And also, yeah. it's sort of funny. It's just funny. Yeah, it's funny. It's like, <laughs> just kidding. He's a liar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I like better, um, you know. Right. And then he adds this, which is really cool, because um, I went off on how I thought some, uh, one of the drys looked like a current, a current actor. He says, you're correct that the helioepic Brotherhood of Raw guy is based on an actor. But according to Ben Stenbeck's notes in the sketchbook section, the character is based on Christopher Lee, who cool. old Dracula played Saruman in uh, Lord of the Rings, and also uh, Count Dooku. Wicker Man. Yes, Wicker Man. Great fix. Great fix. Yeah. Specifically, his appearance in The Devil Rides Out. Never seen that, but I guess the devil rides out. This Chris- looks fucking awesome, though. I'm Googling this movie right now. Oh, I great. gotta watch this. So that's awesome. And then he says, Stenbeck also mentions that the captain is based on Peter Cushing, which is really interesting. I'll have to look at younger images of Cush- Peter Cushing because I believe if I'm correct, Peter Cushing is who plays Grand Moth Tarkin in Star Wars A New Hope, but I've never really gone back and watched any of his older work. So that's probably why I wouldn't have caught that, but I haven't looked and images of Peter Cushing as a young man either. But that's very cool. Cool. Great little um, references. I, again, I think this just plays into what you said, Kate. You're like, I, you thought that maybe you'd been wrong about artists using references. I'm like, man, references, you, people die, kill for it. It's like helps. It's so helpful in, in comic books to use people's references. And to, yeah. You'd be drawing the same face if you didn't have you a have reference. To. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. So... It's really cool to hear. People that. think like using a reference is cheating or something. It's like, no, dude, you're doing the work. You're interpreting the image that you're looking at or the, you know, I mean, it's nice to use like a live reference, but that's not always available. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So cool. Then he last paragraph, he adds to answer your question about the skeleton crew Jade Frog replica, which we posted um, with the In the Service of Angels Part 3 podcast, like the same week. You can go back and look at Drew's collection from them, which is awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. He says the the Jade Frog replica, it's not made of stone. It's a translucent resin cast and the red swirl is hand painted. Cool. Very cool. Apparently casting that translucent resin was not easy and any little imperfection would cause a piece to be rejected. Here's an here's a link to an interview with Israel Skelton where he talks about that and some of the other pieces. Um, this nice. is another reference. It's from Mignolaverse.com, an interview with Israel Skelton of Skelton Crew Studio. So I'll definitely oh, awesome. have to post that as well because it will be a great little read for everybody. Yeah. The Jade Frog discussion starts at about 3238. So it's an interview that you can listen to. You don't have to read. Excuse me. He seems like a really cool guy, and it's an interesting listen. Thank you, Drew. I'm going to give that a listen after this recording. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's great. And he ends his email saying, check you later, and I love you, Drew. (laughs) We love you. Thank you, Drew. Cool. So our final email um, for this segment comes from Kevin Hines. Of screw it, we're just going to talk about comics. It's titled Witchfinder and Lobster Johnson. Mark and Kate, two things. First, one is quick. I love in Witchfinder every time someone in the crowd just says Witchfinder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that word echoing out. And Edward Gray like will look over at the person too, like disgruntled. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Hearing it, not knowing exactly who's saying it, but knows it's being said. Right, right. Like you. 
Yes, uh, shut the fuck up. Son of a bitch. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he says that word echoing out from their conversation and reaching Edward's ears or the people he is with, the crowd saying the word that the people he talks to are thinking, it's a fun choice by Mignola. Instead yeah. of a thought balloon or someone saying it to Edward Gray, it's said by the crowd. Yeah. I agree. It it puts you it's a it's a great choice by Mignola, as he said. And it also puts us really quickly into the outsider mindset of our lead character. Yeah. I mean, it's like a title he doesn't want, mm -hmm. right? And he's like also kind of trying to do like secret work, but it's like out as out in the open as could be. Like people know him. Yes. So I'm sure it's discouraged. You know, he doesn't want to hear that. He's like, I want to do my job. I don't, he like, he doesn't want the fame or the infamy or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's also just kind of funny. Yeah. I, I, I think it's funny too. Hell yeah. <laughs> I also think it's funny. I also think it's funny. Can't you hear it in my serious voice? <laughs> it's a great choice. It's good to, to note as he's done here. Absolutely. Um, great. He's got a question for us. Um, in his second part. So I'm going to finish pretty much the email, then we'll, we'll discuss. He says, secondly, what's your general feel about these ancillary Hellboy books? I recall really enjoying it all when they were coming out, but I only bought the first three of Lobster Johnson and Witchfinder, and don't think I've ever gone back to reread them. So maybe I was just swept up in my love of Hellboy and the BPRD series. I reread them both and, and found volume one of Lobster Johnson fine, and Witchfinder was better, but not necessarily mm -hmm. a series that it left me wanting more. I recall really liking Volume 2 of Lobster Johnson when Arcudi came onto script. But again, I never bought 4 to 6, so how good was it? I think some of the spreading of the Hellboyverse hurt my love of the series. Eventually, there was Lobster Johnson, Witchfinder, Hellboy, BPRD, Abe Sabian, and also odds and ends like Frankenstein or Sledgehammer 44. It's probably a mix of quantity as well as quality. Abe didn't live up to up to BPRD for me, and when Arcudi left BPRD, I wasn't long. I wasn't long for anything in the BPRD world. I haven't even been reading the the Hellboy and the BPRD flashback books. That might be great. Anyway, love to hear your take on the ever expanding world, which at the point you are at in your coverage is admittedly still has pretty high quality. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I I, I mean I agree with him as far as like. Lobster Johnson was totally fine. Yeah. I, to me, Lobster Johnson's popularity is like, you know, he's like the guy who runs in and like pulls a pin on a grenade and blows it up. So it's like, yeah, it's, it almost <laughs> makes me think of like ambush bug or like mm, flaming carrot comics or something like some zany thing. That's like, he's the wonky, crazy guy. Although like when he finally has his own, like longer appearances, he's like, like, he has, like, a comic where he gets to be this, like, fun pulp character where he's, like, you know, punch first and then punch later and ask questions third or whatever the fuck. So, like, he gets to be that for a minute. And then as soon as you get, like, his backstory, he's sad. Like, his, like, I don't know. He's, like, a sad ghost to me. So I think, like, even if the appeal of him at first was, like, you know, he's, like, this wild card one. That goes away kind of quickly. So, yeah, you know. But it, and it never really like was my favorite thing. And then Witchfinder surprised me because I didn't think I would give a really a fuck about this era of like I I don't know. It's not that I hate it. It's just never. It's not something that I gravitate towards. Like I've said before, like 
not a big like Sherlock Holmes reader. Not not because I, I I think it's cool. It's just like has never I don't know something about like Jack the Ripper shit. Maybe it's like just so many. Maybe it's just like dead women and murder or something like that. Like I'm trying to think oh, of why you mean it's you, not, you, that doesn't why appeal to you at all. It, yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I just think of like you know, and you kind of see it in Witchfinder. This like these like pockmarked women who like live in the gutter and you know. Yeah. Or you get, like, this other, like, the lady who was, you know, the woman that he was, like, interested in for a moment until yeah. she dies. Yeah, I guess, you know, that might have something to do with it. <laughs> for sure. Or it's just dour, you know? It's, like, it's like not fun comics for me. Totally. But, I, I mean, I did enjoy Witchfinder. I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. But, yeah, it's, it's like, just the idea of, like, a sooty, foggy... London that's like choked by smoke and like gin like that kind of like era is not super appealing to me right you know mm-hmm. but you know and, and also like I just love Hellboy at this point I like want I'm I'm excited to see more Hellboy shit like you know more of the main like you know yeah like the main course of this shit and it informs Hellboy comics in a fun way but yeah. it's not it's not the real deal. You know? Yeah, I, I'm with yeah. you there. I mean, I can only add to that because I think we're pretty much on the same page mm-hmm. with that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely like for me, Hellboy is. I mean, there's something to say. I own the Hellboy. I have the library editions. I've reread them more than you know, just for the podcast or yeah. started reading them. Knew them beforehand. Now, diving into BPRD, I definitely feel like that's become pretty equal. Yeah, I do like BPRD more than Witchfinder or Lobster Johnson, yeah. for sure. I, uh, because I like, you know, I, I think Abe and Liz are strong and, and Kate, Yeah, you know, are like really appealing to me as characters. I want to see more of what they're up to. Yeah, I mean, Johan, uh, Ben, yeah. da- Damio, like yeah. all of these characters are great. I agree 100%. It's been equal. My interest has continually been equal. And the scale of them is so big too. Like I want to see what happens just to be like, yeah. is the world going to blow up at this point? You know? <laughs> yeah, it's totally. coming pretty close. Yeah, totally. And also like, and then even with, which could have gone sour. We've already expressed our love with multiple episodes and a guest appearance from a, from a writer on one of our episodes, but like those BPRD 46 and 47 were definitely highlights for me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But they felt like they were adding to the world, the main, like the main, they definitely were like adding, uh, to, as you, you said at best, the main course of why we're here. Hellboy. They were yeah. giving us, inf- they were their own stories, but they felt very intact to those. So speaking to this, like John- Lobster Johnson, go listen to the episodes. I really didn't enjoy that first volume. Um, it definitely didn't have me go like, oh, I can't wait to pick up Lobster Johnson. I've sort of liked him more as the ghost from Con- Conqueror Worm. And like. Right, right, right. I, like, as like this mysterious kind of figure or whatever. Yeah. And I, I don't really want to project too far ahead for your sake and for listeners sake, because maybe my mind will change down the line, but there are some things that are going to come up of like making him completely a pulpy character that like, I mean, I am interested in seeing what the fuck his ghost is doing. Yeah, me too. You know? Yes. I like him as that. I think more so like him being like a thing that like there's comic books and novels, but he's also real. That is a little muddy to me, but it Mm -hmm. could clear up. Maybe I'll, my mind will change. 
there's things down the line that I'm like, probably very, I probably vary from a lot of like major fans. I don't know. Saying to that too, like, so Lobster Johnson definitely didn't thus far make me go, oh, I want more Lobster Johnson comics. Maybe. Yeah. But he's right. Maybe Arcudi, because I like Arcudi's writing a lot thus far. Maybe that will change when he comes on. We'll, yeah. We'll have to find out down the road. With Witchfinder, I was with you. Definitely surprised I liked this as much as I did. I'm with you. This stuff is like, I think, to be completely honest, I think with this sort of genre, Sherlock Holmes, though, in this time period, yeah. if someone hands me it and says, you should look at this, it's interesting, I'll give it a go. But sure. I'm most likely going to not, it's not going to be my cup of tea to, to seek it out. Yeah. It's just never been my interest this time period as much as other people. But again, I'm not going to be negative towards it because it works for other people. And I would I, rather read like an LA mystery story. Me too. Oh, I, I love LA. Read a mystery story. I'm gonna plug. I would it, read I'm, like a Raymond Chandler story before yeah. I'm gonna read a Sherlock Holmes story oh. any day. Oh, I'm gonna read. I love a modern PI detective, like that's sort of that the Chandler update. Like I'm gonna quickly just plug two movies. The Long Goodbye by Robert Altman is one of the best versions of that. And then I just watched a new one, which is not. I don't think is exactly the same quality but it is a great movie i just watched called night moves starring gene hackman just well cool. i mean arthur miller or not arthur miller excuse me arthur penn who did bonnie and clyde he directed it i think that's the right name and but gene hackman's acting alone i mean i think the whole cast is good but gene hackman's acting in it alone it's worth watching it and it's just a good a good like bleak fucking pi story but yeah. so I'm with you. I love those L.A. more contemporary L.A. sort of neo noir slash noir, which I think noir does sort of take a little bit from this genre that we're discussing in general. Don't. It's, yeah. Yeah. It definitely is like origins in that. It's like, you know, mystery and solving a case and all that shit. Yeah. Which is totally fine. But I yeah, I just um, I don't know. Something about the setting never just like clicked for me. Yeah. Me either. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Same reason I'm not like a lame is fan <laughs> or like a. Bat, yeah. like constantly going to see late like i love lateness i need more of that era no i don't the uh, songs get stuck in your head a little i guess I mean, the, song, the musical's great i'm just saying that era is not i had an ex-boyfriend who was fucking obsessed with that movie and would watch it like multiple times a week he would it would end and he would like turn it back on i was like man can we fucking not yeah fuck that it was too much that's amazing i just have bad taste in my mouth I know there's going to be more Witchfinder down the road. I'll save my thoughts for that down. But because I definitely blindly picked up some stuff just to see what it was like when I think when we first originally started this podcast. But this this one left me going. I liked this as like a a bit of like an appetizer, not even appetizer, but like a side dish to our main course of Hellboy. And I liked Mm -hmm. that. And it had its own legs. Now, the way it ended, and I already spoke about that in the episode, the way it sort of ends with that weird two-page, like, epilogue, Augie style, it didn't make me go, now I want another Witchfinder story. I'll, I mean, I'll, I would totally read one now. Like, I would yeah, pick I would. Pick I'm going to. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not 100% pining for it is all. Sure, sure, sure. Abe Sabian? I, I, I don't know. Like, I guess none of the... Other than BPRD and Hellboy are the ones that really get me primed to go. 
everything else has been good. I don't know. It's hard to transport myself back to like try to put myself in a place where I'm going to the comic book store and seeing these. Am I am I putting them on my holds? Am I am I picking them up when I see them on the shelf? You know what I mean? The thing that makes me bummed out about Abe is that stories that are just about him where he doesn't have Hellboy, he acts sad. He's depressed. Yeah. He like doesn't have his friend and he acts sad as a result. Yeah. So it's like, you know, just watching a lonely guy solving a thing by himself. It's like still it's like interesting. But I like, you know, when they're together solving. So I want them. I want to see them have fun. Yeah, like that's a great point of uh, thing to point out, because I mean, we're get, we'll get to a story today, but like. When you most of BPRD, as you said, is him solving this this mystery about his past. But then yeah. even in the story where his first solo story where he goes on that that um, adventure on that island with those evil monks, which is yeah. also weird, strange enough, connected directly to Witchfinder because he starts kicks off the story. He is also like what I've noticed is with his writing, at least their characterization of him. Unlike Hellboy, who seems to be like the cool kid of BPRD, like yeah. Abe is sort of like left to his own. Dev- like he's sort of like I wouldn't call him one hundred percent a loner, but like he's not like nobody's. He's not the cool kid. He's like truly an outsider, even among the bureau. At least that's the vibe I get off of him. I don't even like hate that. I, I think you're right, and I don't as a character. I think that's very relatable. But sure. the the way that, you know, because you feel like if you're if or if you have like a, fr- a group of friends and suddenly it feels like they're not hanging out with you for whatever reason or you move or something and you're you whatever, whatever circumstance that leads you to feel lonely. I think that's a super relatable feeling. But like he doesn't talk about that feeling or yeah. he doesn't like he doesn't like verbalize that feeling in any way or they don't give him like a moment. To like, like they'll have him still do like in in the one we're about to to cover the haunt, haunted boy. He like goes about his business and does it and doesn't like say you know the, there's that whole thing of like he his face isn't super expressive yeah which is like totally fine but I think that you could in his body language convey that he's like missing his friends and right. feeling lonely as shit like i think it comes across but not in a way that like i don't know i don't know there's like just a little something missing that i want to see like him just doing something like i don't fucking know like sitting on his bed looking at his fan or something and being like just being like big exhale or something like some small thing like some subtle which is interesting because i think we've had those moments through bprd a little right. Bit. I think that they do do that more in BPRD and he makes it he does actually talk about it a little bit more. I feel like these what well, we'll get to the one we're reading today, of course, The Haunted Boy. But like that and even his solo one, which I enjoyed and I love the art because I think both are Patrick Reynolds. I think you're kind of right. They're sort of just they feel closer to rather than letting the character fully breathe, which they do a little bit of backstory for Abe, I guess, in him sort of finding his confidence in the, his own solo one of like yeah. as, as an agent, I will give it that. But maybe they, this one we're about to read, I'll save my major thoughts for it. But like, it's unlike BPRD, they're, they're just sort of story of or case of the week, I guess. Yeah. And that's sort of like 
that could be which I usually like, but it's it's like I like it for like you know if like Scully had to go solve it by you know alone or something. It's like there's a piece missing, or it needs to be acknowledged. Yeah, you like exactly like if you were. I mean, I I haven't watched X Files in in its completion by any any chance. I've never done that. But the episodes I've watched, of course, as you just stated, they're a team. You'd have to address like if they why they're alone. What are yeah. you? What are we trying to explore by them going alone? They're just stronger together. Yeah. Like they're just stronger characters together. Characters that complement each other, like very overtly with X Files, where it's like, I believe in science. I believe in whatever, <laughs> like everything. Yeah. Aliens and shit. Like, I'm a skeptic. I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I have, like, I'm the faith, well, the one based on faith, and I'm the one based on science, whatever. Yeah. And that's kind of what, what you get when you have all of the BPRD agents together. I mean, it's all, it's a, it's a balance, right? Like, it's probably a very hard thing to balance because. In BPRD especially, the stakes are so high now. Yeah, everybody would be fucking sad as shit. Or like just depressed as fuck because they're like, we gotta do we gotta fight this war. I hope we win. Yeah. Like this the stakes are so high now that it would be weird if they like were being buddies and got along. You know, it's like a hard thing to how much of that do you show and how much of I I don't know. Yeah, and I think I'll just add to this before we move on to the story for this week. And of yeah. course, you have, if you have more, please add. Um, nah, that's it. <laughs> is I think what's hard, and, and again, we're, we'll eventually read those backs, those flashback stories. We'll get to a lot of stuff, but I think what's hard about those is too is that when you have something so meaty with the journey that we're on with Hellboy. Mm-hmm. Sort of finding out this thing about himself and then the way he deals with it. And it's sort of moving towards an end. And I think that's sort of what BPRD feels like for however long that's going. Right. We are working towards stuff and we're seeing characters grow and change. So to go back and just do a case of the week or like, we're just going to have like a light adventure about them dealing with a ghost. If it doesn't really inform the character that much. I'm probably going to be left a little like, who cares? A little wanting. Yeah, a little wanting and like, who cares? Like, yeah, I read it. I mean, it's set in like, it's like set in the 80s and whatever. But like, yeah, I want I want to see if we're going to do a flashback, then. There's got to be a real deep reason into why you're seeing it. It's, you yeah. know what I mean? I think that's what it's almost It would have been nice. Uh, that being said, I did like the story. Story, yeah, we'll get like, to that. We'll get to the yeah. story. I definitely liked yeah. it too. I just was like, I I'll close out this 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 segment with saying that like he touched on like Frankenstein or Sledge Forty Four. I don't think you've touched on any of the other insulary like character stuff, right, no. Kate? I've no. read Frankenstein. I haven't read Sledge Forty Four. I have my opinions of it. I'm I'm gonna save it. For, it could yeah. change when we get to the writing. When we get to covering it, excuse me. Right. I don't right. want to get into it. So it's like. Sometimes I think these bigger universes, you have to be, I'm just not somebody that's going to be, it's similar to like MCU. I'm going to, I always fucking on this podcast. I always compare everything to the MCU. <laughs> I love the MCU. I'm like, we'll continue to probably watch everything they pump out. But I just, I, I, I had to, for my own sake, just be okay. If there's one of them that I'm going to dislike. Oh yeah. I'm going to, especially gonna, with MCU. Yeah. I'm going to gladly be like, yeah. well, I didn't like that. It doesn't mean I don't, yeah. hate, I'm going to hate on it. It doesn't mean I'm going to fucking completely write this off, this whole thing. Yeah. But they're just, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And I think that just comes with, if you're going to build a whole universe, there's going to be stuff, as you, and you're a reader of that universe or a mm-hmm. consumer of it, 
there's going to be things you love. There's going to be things you like. There's going to be things you're like, I didn't really like that. Yeah. You might even yeah. be something you fucking hate for all I know. So. Yeah. But you have to be, I think as a fan, I think so much, I, I don't know if I told you this. I listened to this great interview or watched it uh, with Damien uh, Lindelof, the guy that created the Watchmen TV show one of the careers. Okay. He talked about fandom and I thought his was great. And he, he, I mean, he's been on a lot of shows like lost and that and leftovers as well, but like where they, they really come with fans. Right. And he realized somebody had commented on like hating something that he, they had did on one of those shows. Yeah. And he realized that that is a fan like that. Yeah. They didn't like the choice or where we went, but his opinion of that still means he's a fan. And I think, I have to remind myself that I can be a fan of something and it, it's not a thing where you're a fan only if you love it, right, no matter right, what. Right. You're a yeah. fan if you love it. And if you don't know, if you sometimes don't like where they go, you can die. Like, now, I don't think you should troll people and try to get them to change it. But you can be like, well, yeah. that's not what I like. I wish the character would have done this. But you can't, you can't, you can, you can say you didn't like that, but you just got to live with it. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, if you have, you know, if you have a healthy relationship yeah. with this, this Think, shit that yeah. you're consuming. Get out of your basement and live in the yeah. fucking real world or for sure. Don't, uh, you know, it's like live in your fandom. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Like that shit's tough because people, yeah, if people relate to something or like related to it when it started and then sh stuff starts to change about it. It's like there's so much fucking shit out there to like, though. Like, I, I don't get, yeah. I don't know. You can't. Yeah. But yeah. You don't have to love every single thing about it. Like, people, I think, equate it to shit like sports, where it's like, oh, you're only a diehard true fan if you like this team when they're doing badly and they're not winning championships, too. <laughs> or, like, you're a fair-weather fan if you, like, start enjoying the sport when, you're fan when your team starts winning yeah. championships and stuff. Um, so I think people do that to, like, comic books and stuff, too. But it's like, I mean, it doesn't work that way or you know maybe for like a sports fan kind of analogy like maybe you love a team but you don't like a player on your team or something you're like this player sure. isn't that good you might not have a and coach spent for too a much money years. yeah like maybe it's like that where it's you know you that's my team like but they fucking team. suck this year <laughs> or i mean that's my team but like this one player's not pulling their weight or you're something right. like that but even that it's like i don't know i me personally i find it this might be my own shortcoming, but I just find it hard to be passionate about anything. So it's like <laughs> when people are like deeply angry about a fandom thing, it's like I I, I got to be like you got to just take a breath, man. Like count to ten. Yeah, I I mean it's not that bad. <laughs> I I definitely am needing people to tell me that take a breath a lot, but but that's not it's not bad for you to feel passionate about passionately about something. For sure. But it's also like, but but you don't do it in a way that's fucking negative. You're not like going on like, you know, you're not like changing Star Wars because you fucking hate that there's like diversity in the movie. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like you're not like a fucking toxic asshole who's like just shitting on some, you know. Yeah. Like, don't be, you're don't not be like trolling people. And don't try to change yeah. it. Just have your opinion and then move on with your fucking life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to add one more rant to this. Because you sure. brought up the sports comparison. And I had thought about this the other day. And I was like, we compare so much to like sports to like get out our thoughts. Like it happens a lot. As Americans, yeah. And I was like, and, and it, sometimes I'm like, I really think it's wrong. Like, or it's like, it's sort of problematic because I was thinking about this as an actor. I'm just going to share it on the pod because sure. we're, we're 
we're rolling. We're rolling here. Sorry, Kevin Hines, you really got us fucking going on this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but a studio I was with always used to like say like like a sports and somebody kept bringing up like, you know, like sports guys in their career, they keep they keep like a coaching. They don't give it up. They keep coaching. We need to do that as actors. We got to keep coaching and keep working at it. And as I started to think about it, I was like, sports guys do that because their career is going to probably last somewhere between their year of being like 20 and then probably when they get into their late 30s or maybe. Yeah, you know, there's like an expiration fu- There's an expiration sure. date. Yeah. And I was like, I think that's wrong if we start equating that as an actor, that mentality, because you're there's not an expiration. You just might not hit. You might you might have not have a career. One, two, your career yeah. might be young. It might fizzle out. You might have something yeah. lasting, but it's like, don't burn out because the sports metaphor tells you to. I guess I don't know. It's just sometimes yeah. I'm like, shut up. Let's stop using sports for everything. I don't think that like yeah, especially for for acting or something. You may not develop as an actor until later in life. Like I don't know. Yeah, even as if a you writer, still you continue to like acting. You know, there's parts for old people, not as many like in Hollywood or whatever, I guess. But if you're if you want to like be in a play, like you can fucking be in a play when you're older. Like, yeah, who gives a should. shit? Well, it should be. I don't know. It should be. I love stories. It should be. Yeah. But it's yeah. It's, an, it's a very. I was reading an article about I think you should leave and how it was casting a lot of older actors who might not normally get on a like specifically like a sketch comedy show or something like that. Like they feature like the show features a lot of older male actors. And yeah, like I was like, yeah, I guess they wouldn't really get that chance maybe to to do like a very goofy comedy show right. like that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe it is. Hard. <laughs> I don't, I don't no, know. I, man. I, I, I'm just I fucking. Love, yeah. Words are tumbling out at this oh, point. I think we got out what we wanted to say. I'm just gonna, uh, Yeah. I just want to end that, that whole round and everything. But like, I think what. Kevin Hine has to say is like, I love it. I think it's valid. Sometimes these things will work. We've, we've tried to make it clear that on this show, when something works for us, we praise it. When something doesn't, we just, we just kindly try to voice it in the kindest way of like, that didn't work for us. But even if it like, when we say like, doesn't work, it's just like, we're not going to buy like three versions of it. Like we still read it. And so like, I feel like we usually find something that we appreciate in all of those stories. It's just like, yeah, I'm not going to buy the library edition or whatever mm-hmm. of Witchfinder, you know? Yeah. And maybe, maybe that'll yeah. change when you read all of it. I don't know. Maybe you'll, yeah, maybe, maybe you'll yeah. fall in love with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but it makes, I mean, for the podcast, I mean, maybe not as a general reader if I wasn't doing the show with you, Kate, but as a, as a podcast host with you and this journey of reading this stuff, I'm excited to read whatever comes exactly exactly i mostly i look forward to talking about it yeah yeah it's like going to see you know i could go see a movie without seeing the trailer of it or you know watch sometimes i'll pick a fucking random movie and (laughs) just see how it is but it's it's like nice to have you know to have you to talk about it and get your insight on it that's what i look forward to yeah me too oh well, that will end that little um. Moment. We'll end our segment of oh boy email emails. But that means we get to go and talk about this week's story. It's yeah. one issue. It's a um, a one issue story. Um, I'll hand it over to you, Kate, to to take us into Abe Sabin, the Haunted Boy. Yeah, uh, written by Mike Mignola and John Arcudi, illustrated by Patrick Reynolds. 
colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Clem Robbins, edited by Scott Alley. And this was published originally in October 2009. The cover was by Dave Johnson, who's done like a bunch of covers for Abe Sapien and Hellboy and the BPRD and BPRD in like 1948, like all kinds of stuff. Lobster Johnson, uh, The Burning Hand. So he's done like a bunch of other uh, Hellboy related covers. I think it's a solid I like this. Yeah, it's cool. I like this like wading through the water and like the... It kind of like forms this like skeletal face behind him. I think that's cool. Yeah. Is this like the mom's face on the side? I would assume it's the boys. The boys? Oh, I'm an idiot. You're right. Yeah, but also I think like it looks a little older than in the book. Like I think Patrick Reynolds shows the youth very clearly of this. Just looking at it, I I wouldn't know the age of this face. It looks a little older than a boy, so I understand but it's like a haunted face. Yeah, with and literally eyes. the words the haunted boy are right above it. <laughs> it's a boy, Kate. That's the boy. Uh yeah, but it's really cool looking. I like it a lot. Yeah, and I, love- I like these like little skeletal fish that are swimming around. Yeah, very cool. Abe looking brooding. Yeah. Little brooding, determined. Very brooding. Abe. I like this depiction of Abe. I think he's cool. I like his big like nautical watch. Yeah. That like a diver would have or something. I'm with you. It's a cool Abe. It looks like an Abe that would be like in a hard-boiled sort of like adventure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and it opens with an ice skate beautifully sinking down. There's like rays of sunshine through the surface of the water, but then also this like screaming, crying mother who's looking at a hole in the ice on a pond with like an ambulance nearby, but the ambulance, you know, the EMT is not in any kind of hurry, so we assume that whoever was on that ice is toast. Yeah, they're gone. Yeah, and this is happening June 1982. We flashed to the BPRD Well, I would, I would assume how many months ago. I think the event, we pick up with Abe in June. I'm assuming this is earlier that year. I can't remember how many months Yeah, prior. I think it's set in January, January 8th of this year, yes. like as Abe's going over the dossier. Um, yeah, he, you know, Broom just gives him the file. He's like, let me know if you want this. Abe's going over it. We see like the picture of the 10 year old kid. Two kids were out on the ice. They fell through. And yeah, it's just like this kind of sad story. A a ghost has started to appear and it's not just the mom seeing it. It's Mm -hmm. like a bunch of the townsfolk are seeing it of this like spirit appearing above the lake. So BPRD has to go assess it. Abe says he'll take it. And he's out there initially in his, like, detective-y clothes, his, like, fedora and everything. <laughs> it looks like his, his like, disguise, his disguise from Seed of Destruction, without, yeah. minus the beard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Which we he's really like, have not seen him use at all since. <laughs> I guess back in the 80s, he was trying to be more, like, clandestine yeah. or something. <laughs> and a neighbor woman comes up and is, like, you know, talking to him a little bit about it. He's, like, uh, she's saying that the mom of the boy who drowned has moved uh, moved away, but she's, like, staying with me if you want to talk to her. She's, like, kind of taken aback by Abe's appearance. But by the time they're in the kitchen, Abe is fully just, like, him, you know, himself. He's, like, mm-hmm. taken off the hat and everything. They're talking about the mom... This mom's son was also, he was there and survived, Jacob. But it's like, and Abe's like, hey, can I talk to him? He was like the only person who was present. Yeah. Uh, And at first the mom's like a little hesitant, but the mother, the mother of the son who drowned is like, come on, you got to do this. Like, you got to help him out. And it turns out like 
Jacob's been acting kind of weird since the incident. He's very sensitive, you know, yeah. and he's it seems like he's acting different. And at first, of course, we think like, yeah, it's traumatizing. Like you saw your friend die, freeze to death. So that's like the assumption. Abe goes in to talk to the boy who at first is like, get out. But he lets Abe in when he sees like he's a crazy fish man. And he's got like all these posters, like he's got like Exorcist, Star Wars, E.T. And he's got like all these Star Wars toys and stuff. So you think like, oh, maybe he's just like into like if he saw like what he would think was like, oh, weird monster guy. Like maybe he's just into that. And he's kind of yelling at his mom, but in a way that like isn't completely unlike a kid might do. Yeah, you just think he's a shitty kid. You think he's a yeah, traumatized like, hey, shitty he's kid. he's just going through it. And yeah, he's like, don't smoke in my room. Smoking's bad. And Abe sees some drawings that he's done of like people getting shot in the head and like devils throwing up blood and stuff. And he's like, uh, why do you think you drew this? Like, <laughs> you have to go now, too. And like gets kicked out of Jacob's room. <laughs> yeah, that, I real quick, that drawing is insane. Like, it's brutal. It's so crazy. Yeah, like There's why like did, blood shooting out of someone's torso? Why is Abe the first one to fucking bring up? Hey, you kids, right? Draw some Be like, uh-huh. fucked up shit. Let's talk. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I used to draw weird shit when I was a kid, but like, not. I don't think it was like super violent stuff. I read a lot of like Edward Gorey comics when I was in like fourth grade, fifth grade. Mm-hmm. So like some weird shit like that or like, you know, you were a demented little, a little one. I was, yeah, a little demented weirdo. I wonder <laughs> if my mom like spent any time being like, are you all right? The only thing I remember her commenting on was like one time I drew this like, like we used to watch um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit all the time. Right. So I would draw these like Jessica Rabbit looking women. Oh, yeah. And my mom's like, yeah, my mom's like, why are you drawing women like like this probably just be like i'm gay y'all but like not you know you didn't have to like dive into that one you're like there was one person i was attracted to and that is jessica rabbit i think everyone was attracted to jessica jessica rabbit turned a generation of kids like at least by into and also into perverts Uh, because we all went back and tried (laughs) to see how it works and see her blank vagina when she came out of the cab remember that yeah oh man yeah there's a lot of like pausing and rewinding of that tape as we were kids but anyways yeah they're like uh yeah listen i gotta go abe's like i'm gonna go check out this lake i might have to talk to your son again but i'm gonna check this out first and abe kind of reflects on how he you know when he's out in the field the field work is the thing that he shines at not really like talking to people so much Mm -hmm. because clearly there's like this huge barrier with people talking to him like you know he has to they have to get over his like fish appearance first he goes down into the pond and he sees the soul of the boy down in the bottom of the pond an unusual manifestation no doubt but ultimately just another voiceless ghost as he like gets closer he has this horrified look and he comes bursting back into the family's house saying like i gotta i gotta go i need to see jacob right now they're like, uh, no, it's late. Like, you're going to freak him out. But Abe, go, like, barges past them, bursts into the room. I know what you did. Let go, you freak. Like, you know, the mom is, like, trying to, like, grab this fish guy off of her son. Yeah, like, Abe is truly grabbing this little boy by the collar. Yeah, he's and- shaking him, <laughs> yeah, by the shirt. But then we see, as Abe's holding him, about to get, like, bashed by the dad with a fucking, like, nine iron or whatever. <laughs> The boy suddenly looks sinister and says, they'll never believe you, never. 
And then we see that the ghost at the bottom of this lake is actually their son's spirit, not his friend who drowned. And he's kind of like being surrounded by this like catfish at the bottom of this lake here. Abe slams this kid against the wall and he starts choking. And this thing emerges. This like, I mean, talk about like gross ectoplasmic shit coming out. But this is more like solid. Yeah, it's like like, like bloody ectoplasm. Yeah, it's like dark and... Yeah, like stringy, almost like hair-like and oily, you know, like this kind of thing that, yeah, just erupts from the kid's body. <laughs> and Jacob, Jacob's body is just left like a shell that the mom's holding. Blue, too, like drowned. Yeah. It's a drowned yeah. body. It's, oh. Yeah, he looks bad. And this creature starts like slithering towards Abe and like lunging at Abe, smashing him against the wall. And then it kind of starts like slithering back towards Jacob and like opening his mouth in this like really fucked up kind of like exaggerated way. Oh. Like his Jacob's mouth is like being ripped open like it's like a fucking snake or something. Or, like his jaw looks dislocated. The mom who's been smoking this whole time little like foreshadowing for this. Yeah. She takes her lighter and chucks it at the creature. It opens and and ignites the creature who like immediately like bursts into flame and <laughs> barges out of the house, runs towards the lake and jumps in with a kss, you know, like <laughs> as the fire extinguishes. Then we see like kind of the aftermath with the fire department there putting the, the fire out. Jacob's body is now like wrapped up, you know, like yeah. uh, with the mom and dad sort of like kind of like reeling a little bit, like being like, oh, like so that wasn't my son these last few months. Like, how am I supposed to believe that? How am I supposed to believe any of this? Um, and then the, the mom's like, yeah, it took everything. Like, we don't even have his things anymore. We have nothing. It's crazy that it it's assumed he just burnt the flame off of him just then ignited everything in that. Yeah, house, in that room. like lit Oof. the room on fire. Yeah. Sort of supernatural um, element to it. Yeah. And then, like, the dad's like, so is Jacob, is he still out there with that monster? And Abe tells them, no, I think his spirit was freed because he's not there anymore. He's not in the lake anymore. And then we see the spirit, Jacob's, like, actual ghost kind of, like, floating above the scene watching it happen. Mm-hmm. And then Abe's doing his, like, paperwork, you know, his, like, writing up his report about the ghost sighting case. He says, um, it was the spirit of a drowned child held captive by a probable knockin' nest, which I googled and is, like, basically this, like, troll-like creature that lives in a lake that's, like, a shapeshifter. Ooh. It's, like, a Norwegian Norwegian folklore there's some really cool drawings of this stuff on <laughs> like Google images if you guys look up uh, N-O-K-K-E-N, Nokken. But yeah, it's like a creepy like lake monster. The Nokken demon itself took possession of the body of 10-year-old Jacob Sturges, who was drowned in a January incident. It had since been masquerading as human. Sucks. Yeah. Sucks to be that parent. Ugh. And there you, you see like the home is being repaired and it's also for sale. They're also moving to Maine, and the mom, like, moves close to this other mom who had lost her son in January. They both, like, both of their sons drowned in that incident, apparently, and now they're, like, comforting each other in the last panel. Woof. Yeah. Heavy heavy little story. Yeah. Dark shit. Yeah, very dark, which is probably why I like it a lot. (laughs) Yeah, it was cool. Like, that was the highlight of it. It was, like, sort of... The dark, the darker elements just of this, this child, this dead child being controlled by a demon is so dark. And, and it's like, yeah, it's like this wife 
it's I'm wondering if there's like I don't think this is in the page, but like it's interesting in the first part where the the, the other mother who's lost her son is sort of and you can assume that the that that first mom uh, has like not that she'll ever get over with it, but has processed it right when we meet her because she's more like closure because she's moved away. She's done things to heal. Whereas like this mother is sort of like, doesn't even want anybody to talk to their child. And I'm like, is there almost an unspoken, like, I'm not thinking she's consciously knows, but is there a subconscious like element that the mom knows that her son is not, is not the same at least. And it's just sort of like something's going on. And, but just, I'll just let him do his thing and I'll put it off because I'm, I'll, I have a son. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's fucked up. It's so fucked up. <laughs> so then, because that's what I think is really nice is that these two mothers at the top being totally different places. And then we end, we don't end with Abe. We end on them on the very last yeah. panel. Yeah. It's really about their journey. Abe just seems to be an agent that passes through this. And it's really about these mothers. Yeah. Which, for sure. which I think is very fascinating and probably why I like, and again, like grieving. Yeah. It's. I think it's a really solid little story. I like it a lot. Totally. Do you have any highlights from it? I mean, there, there's so much in here that I think Patrick Reynolds just kills it on, and him and Stewart. Yeah. Like combination. I like Abe diving into the pot and like him looking out at the water and like diving in this whole page. It's like kind of a quiet page, you know. He's by himself, but he feels like this is where he, he's doing his best work. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. And yeah, I liked, you know, this cr- creature is really fucking creepy. <laughs> it's like tail is disgusting. Yeah, it, reminds it has me like of tendrils, these like weird tentacly like, ugh. what does it remind you of? A Slither. Oh, Slither, think, yeah. What's his name? Guns, um, James Gunn's movie, Slither. Reminds me yeah. of that. It made me think of the um, Fern Gully. Like, oh, yes. Tim Curry creature, the oil creature yes. thing that like, the way that it like seems to be like slapping its you know these like weird tentacles around and also like just the oiliness of it yes which i thought was like an interesting take on this kind of thing yeah it looks like muck it looks like fucking pond slime yeah like the oil element you keep speaking to is so perfect for it especially that it yeah. becomes flammable so quickly right, and right. lights right up. That's why he was like, don't smoke in here, oh, Yeah, <laughs> That little spark will fucking set it's me off. It's <laughs> dangerous, yeah. There's so many, like, I think every panel is great, and I particularly love the, the, those three pages you pointed out that are all silent, especially on something that's, like, so heavy. I love the silent moment. Like, I love the horror that you get to see off of Abe's face in a silent, to, in that silent end of the silent panels. I love that. Yeah. But I just love all the energy. There's a I, there's a lot of good posing in here that I like. Like, yeah, I don't know why it, it makes me laugh. And also I like it is when that's that third panel when Abe bursts back into the house and he's sort of like has his arms and he's like pleading. He's like conched over. Yeah. He's like, come, in the kitchen. He's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Like he's just I don't know that I, that pose is just pretty organic and perfect to me. <laughs> yeah and i just love how he just gets so fucking physical with this yeah the way he's like and he's also like in this hunched over stance when he finally gets into the bedroom and is pointing at the kid yeah slash demon <laughs> it's like i fucking know like yeah yeah there's a lot of good like poses in here 
It's, yeah, and it's very interesting. He doesn't come in softly. He's just charging. We, right. Like, He's yeah. like, this is bad news. Um, I really like that double panel to show us where the demon, like the demon shows itself smiling while he's being held by Abe. And then the, pa- yeah. the the mirror panel of the spirit in the water, I think is great. Yeah. Simple, but just clear, just very clear and clean storytelling to get us. Totally. To what the connection. Yeah. Oh, I really like the demon when it's, hold- when it's pinning Abe against the wall, Abe's like sort of in a squat and he smashed the wall. That's where the demon. Yeah. Like, oh gosh. Yeah. He's fucking scary looking. Yeah. Just stretching that mouth out. Everything is so cool here. I, I it's a great little uh, case of the week. Yeah. Done well. And, I agree. It feels like like this is a thing like if this BPRD ever had like a show, this is the kind of like I'd want this to be like a one off that maybe you yeah. maybe you expand it a little so that like whatever the parents are going through maybe informs Abe a little bit more. But like it right. just I, I'd be like the first person like we need to adapt this story into the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This would be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a Solid story. I'm definitely down. I, dug it. I mean, I could sit here and, you know, do a classic panel to panel discussion, but I think we get it. It's good. Solid yeah. Story. Hell yeah. I, I like the posters on the wall of that. I love light. When, yeah, me too. The right when the mom's about to throw the lighter, which the lighter's a little bit of a stretch, but I'll take it that a lighter would, a Zippo lighter would pop up. Right. And hit. Would light itself. on fire. It's a little much, but I'll take yeah. it. And um, at least if it broke, maybe that I would believe it a little bit more. Yeah, maybe she smashed it. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that the, right before she throws it, the, the poster for Poltergeist is right behind her head. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, like, that was good. Yeah, that splash page of that demon coming out is just, it's highly memorable. <laughs> totally. I think we've already talked about this, but why are dads like in the 80s or like when we write dads from the past, they're just complete, they're just shitty. Like this dad doesn't do anything yeah. really, but he just feels like, Kind of a shitty dad. <laughs> a little aggressive. Right. <laughs> Just like, yeah. I mean, he makes his kid mac and cheese. That's true. He does do that. Cool stuff. Yeah. Anything else you liked you wanted to call out before we move on? Um. Yeah, just I like that demon a lot. I thought it was really cool. Noken. I'm glad you looked it up. It's very cool. Yeah. <laughs> Norwegian creepy guy. There's like a lot of cool versions of this creature that like artists have put together so yeah google that it's really fun google that <laughs> awesome um do you have any i have two things to true off of our reading pretty much directly one that's sort of wild what is it cool so i think just art wise i was as we read it and i think it's mostly because of the the mother's storyline that is in there um it made yeah. me really think of have you ever read bendis's michael bendis's um Jessica Jones alias run. No, no. I highly suggest it. I think it is amazing. It's hard. I don't know if it's out of print right now and, and I, I don't know if it's on Hoopla, but you should get hold of alias by just Jessica Jones alias by Bendis. I think it's, I mean, it's just, it's perfect comic book writing and it's really pulp. It's like a pulpy is the wrong word. I think it's very noirish, but it has like this tone similar to this story it sort of just, he- there's a lot of weight to it, you know? And like groundedness that's just heavy. Jessica Jones is a very heavy character. TV show sort of got at it, but I think the comic book does it the best. So definitely check out Jessica Jones alias. And then I don't know why, but this storyline and more so not even the storyline. I think the way Patrick Reynolds illustrates Abe Sabian, as we were reading, I was like, the way he just like his body and under Patrick Reynolds's pencils I kept thinking, you know, this Abe Sabian listens to AFI. 
<laughs> yeah. I just kept picturing, you know who AFI is, right? The band? Yeah. Okay. A fire inside. Uh, I don't know. That's probably a song. I only, I. That's what they, that's what it stands for. Oh, fire inside. Yeah. Yeah, this, yeah. this Abe Sabian fucking, to me, I could picture him popping in headphones and blasting yeah. some AFI. He's an emo Abe, yeah. for sure. Specifically, yeah. Black Cells and the Sunset, which I'll be honest, is probably the only album I really love of theirs because they just went even, they dipped even heavier emo in for me after this album. And I was like, I never no really thanks. listened to them, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, check out, I think Black Cells and the Sun is, in the Sunset, excuse me. Black Sills in the Sunset is a good album. I remember okay. loving it. It could maybe it doesn't live up because it's a little they are emo punk, but I'm not like against it. Yeah. I like a lot of I, I like a lot of pop punk, especially when I was younger. It was like yeah. my jam. Yeah. They're con- yeah. they're considered hardcore and horror punk. So Oh well, there you go. I think it's a great okay. album. Black Cells in the Sunset. <laughs> I'll I'll listen to it. I'll listen to it. Did you have anything that you wanted to suggest off of this read? <laughs> Fern Gully. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, um, if you don't, that's okay. It's always okay. Before we get out of here for this episode, I did want to like, these have nothing to do with what we've read. They're just two writers that I want to give. Sh- I just want to tell people to seek them out. Yeah. Um, so I, I read, I've been reading X-Men. It started with, cause Hickman took over and I've been reading his continuation. He just finished up. So I'll probably, st- uh, I don't know if I'll continue with the main storyline. I'll read his Inferno. But, yeah. but in reading his like crazy storyline of X of Swords, and then I just read, not his, but part of the X-World, um, Hellfire Gala. Two writers from the X-Men universe really popped for me. Like, because they, and they wrote books that I only read when I touched on these ones, because, you know, X of Swords and Hellfire Gala did that classic Marvel thing where like, if you want to read the whole storyline, you have to read like from other books. Yeah. The first writer... Every time I read her stuff when she assisted with the X-Men and then she wrote for Excalibur as well and some X-Men stuff, I believe, mainly Excalibur. Uh, I don't I don't know if this I'm pronouncing her name right. It's T-I-N-I, Tini, Tina, Tini, Tini, Howard. I think they are a, a fucking awesome writer. She is so good. I've Again, I'm only saying this because I've read her X-Men that I've touched on with these major storylines, but her writing just is so good. And I think... I'm going to start checking out more of her stuff. She wrote for Thanos as well. Nice. Um, she was part of Dawn of X, wrote on that. And I don't know. I'm just going to keep, I just want to tell everybody to check their writing out. I think they're, nice. they're awesome. And then the other writer is Vita Ayala, A-Y-A-L-A. They took over New Mutants. Now, I'll admit, like, I didn't, continue, I, I, I think she t- took over right when I stopped getting them week to week. Um, Because I was mainly just picking up Hickman's to check it out. And then, but I just read their like pages with Hellfire Club that were in New Mutants. And Vita's writing is so fucking good. There's a lot of like fun, like teen or like probably early 20s, like drama among the group. And I was like, they're writing it so well. (laughs) Like, that it's going to make me pick up the rest of her New Mutants run. And then she writes nice. for like Xena, comic book, Livewire, James Bond. I, it just makes me, these two writers I think we should check out. Because what oh, I've yeah. read so far, and that's very little, they're both fucking phenomenal writers. Impressive. Yes. Nice. And like, I look forward to whatever other stuff they create. Awesome. So that's it. I just wanted to yeah. these two writers. That's great. 
All right. But that, I think me plugging those random writers, which are, you know, great stuff out there from them, I think is time to wrap up this episode, Kate. Let's do it. <laughs> That'll do it. But before we get out of here, I just want to say, um, listeners, we want to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Abe Sabian, The Haunted Boy. We'd love to hear your thoughts on anything in pro- previous um, episodes, anything we discussed in the emails today. You can definitely chime in on in the future. We especially would love your emails. And we are going into a hiatus after the next. So I'll definitely clarify. Mm-hmm. I believe this is the penultimate. And then we have one more before we're going to go. We're going to go into a hiatus before we return for season six. It is going to be a yeah. long hiatus. I just want to warn you all. I'll clarify again on the next episode and continue to clarify. Probably will not be returning until the new year. That's 2022. Just, we just want to work on some personal stuff between me and Kate. Um, Take a little breather uh, just so we don't burn out. And so we keep loving this show as much as we do (laughs) and do some creative stuff together as well. Uh, But I want to, I'm just going to hit this again, probably the next episode. But if you are listening you're catching up whenever during the hiatus if we get emails and they pile up and they get we get a good a good amount of emails we will pop out yeah. and do like an a, 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 like a bonus episode in between in totally, mid yeah. hiatus just to respond to emails because we love hearing from all of you For just sure. want to let you know and you can do so by emailing us at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com um, and you can follow us on Instagram at awcrapahellboypodcast on Twitter awcraphellboy um, we do try our best to respond to anything you comment on or direct message us but if you want your thoughts on the show you do need to email us again at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com and please go out of your way to subscribe rate and review us on whatever platform you you listen to us on if they give you those options please do it and if you could go out of your way to go onto apple podcasts and give us a five-star review that starts with the word boom b-o-o-m we call that a boom review if you give us a boom review, we will read your review right here on the show. Give you a big old shout out. Send you all the positive vibes in the world. Please give us a boom yeah. review on Apple Podcasts. Um, but that is it. That is officially it for this episode. We're out of here. <laughs> we'll see you next week. But again, we just got to say it as always. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and remember. We love you. We love you, baby. I just said, almost said Wiener. <laughs> Widener, right? I said, why? Yeah, I said it incorrectly. Wiener. And almost said Wiener. E and W. I'm, I'm calling myself out before this hits <laughs> hits the uh, the old the old listeners' ears. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's Mia. Hey, it's Allie. And we host the Rom Com Review Podcast. P.S. I love Rom Coms. Each week, we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new Rom Com grand gestures, meet cutes, and of course, that elusive chemistry. Mia, what are you doing holding that giant boombox over your head? I'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture. Take us back! Find a new episode every week and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Campfire.